in Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air. The outsiders ravage our lands in front of our eyes. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. What's to become of our world? Duncan, can I trust you with something? Yes, always, you know that. I've been having dreams about a girl on Arrakis. I don't know what it means. Dreams make good stories. But everything important happens when we're awake. Hey, you. Put on some muscle? I did? No. We are a house of Trades. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts! I know you. There's something awakening in my mind. You need to face your fears. Come with me. Human, they're brutal. The Duke's son sees too much. This is my doom. Kill them all. God in heaven. Get everything with guns off the ground! Go! This is an extermination. They're picking my family off one by one. Let's fight like demons. Dad, what if I'm not the future of House Atreides? A great man doesn't seek to lead. He's called to it. But if your answer is no, you'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. My son. If anything happens, will you protect Paul with my life? Only together can we stand a chance. K-H-Q. Tyler Woods here. Welcome to the movie review for Dune 2021. I'm sorry. I could not help myself when I was listening to that trailer. It's just, I mean, have you ever noticed that, by the way, movies with soundtracks where there's just somebody in the soundtrack goes, oh, 
Yeah, you might as well forget your dreams about becoming like you know the next Beyonce, uh, Billie Eilish, and all that stuff. That that's where the money is. Okay, like almost every single Hollywood movie needs somebody to go do re mi fa sol la ti do. <laughs> okay, enough fooling around. Yes, Dune twenty twenty one. Now technically. This marks the third time Hollywood has uh, brought this to life. The first from David Lynch under Universal in 1984, uh, where we covered that, uh, you know, all its production troubles since uh, the book came out on uh, my What Could Go Wrong episode. Uh, I also mentioned that, you know, there was a uh, miniseries remake in 2000 and its sequel, uh, Children of Dune. Um, Here in this version, from what I can tell, this is... Hollywood telling fans of the franchise, you know, this is going to be the real deal. This is the real Dune as it was supposed to be made into a film now under Warner Brothers uh, Pictures control with uh, production from Legendary Pictures. This is directed by uh, Dennis Villeneuve, who is actually one of my favorite directors. He has done such tremendous work uh, bringing us uh, all kinds of entertainment with his films like uh, Arrival and the Blade Runner sequel 2049. Kind of ironic, right? Referring back to my What Could Go Wrong episode, you know, did you know Ridley Scott was hired as the uh, director for Dune before David Lynch, uh, but due to personal reasons, he left after seven months of pre-production and then uh, later went on to direct Blade Runner. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, this is his dream production. He's a big fan of Dune. He wanted to do it, and like so many uh, directors uh, before... Uh, came to the same conclusion that uh, Dune is so complex of a story, it has to be done in two parts. This was greatly covered in my What Could Go Wrong episode. So i got to give Warner Brothers props here. Smart move, directing somebody who really appreciates not only uh, the franchise, but the book, and has read the story. And he loves sci-fi. One of the biggest problems over there with the David Lynch film, because he admitted that he didn't read Dune, didn't know the story, and he hated sci-fi films. Why did he get hired again? But still, to his credit, I do have a great appreciation for David Lynch films. One of them being a Razorhead. I have seen that so many times, it's not funny. Getting distracted here, moving on. Music, done by Hans Zimmer. I wonder if he was the uh, director of uh, whoever was on the soundtrack going, Ah! You think we could get that in vinyl, by the way? <laughs> Just wondering, asking for a friend. Now, let's talk about the cast. Again... Just like uh, the 1984 Dune, massive, lot of familiar faces here, uh, as Dune has a lot of interesting characters. Uh, Timothy uh, Chalamet, who is uh, Paul Atreides, he's still uh, breaking through, getting into uh, some starring roles in recent years. He's had some um, recurring roles on TV uh, with the show uh, Homeland and uh, Royal Pains. And if you have seen the uh, recent Little Women uh, movie, uh, he was there as Laurie. Mission Impossible's uh, Rebecca Ferguson is uh, Lady Jessica Atreides. Star Wars sequel trilogies, uh, Oscar Isaac, he played Poe in Star Wars. Uh, he is Duke Atreides. Aquaman, my bro, Jason Momoa is Duncan. Uh, from Skyfall, Mother and uh, No Country for Old Men, Javier Bardem as uh, Stilgar. Stellan Skarsgård, he, uh, you remember him from uh, the Thor movies as the old professor with Natalie Portman. He is our uh, movie bad guy uh, as uh, Baron Harkonnen. Thanos, Josh Brolin as Gurney. Drax, Dave Bautista as uh, Beast Robin Harkonnen. A lot of MCU stars. Oh yeah, let's not forget about Zendaya. She's an MCU star as well in the Spider-Man films. She plays uh, Chani. 
Actually, hold on. Uh, she's a singer. I wonder if that was her going, hey In fact, hold on now. Maybe I can uh, find that out really quick. Uh, say, oh, here we go. Music of Dune, 2021 film. Uh, let's see. Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer. And, uh, oh, wow. Okay. Um, oh, here's a very interesting tidbit right here. It doesn't say. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's see. And with whisperings and soft vocals, let's see, uh, from the singer. Okay. Who's the singer though? Hold on. Okay. Let me read this. Uh, the Dune sketchbook music from, uh, the soundtrack. Uh, it, this is the first soundtrack album released for the film, September 3rd, 2021 in physical and digital formats. It contains extended immersive musical explorations of works from the film score and was released in uh, Dolby Atmos in uh, standard configurations. Uh, like its parent, the fifth track, Paul's Dream, was one of two digital singles released on streaming platforms July 22nd. Prior to the album's drop, Zimmer announced uh, their release his, uh, via his Instagram on the same day. Originally uh, heard in the film's theatrical trailer, uh, the track which features a striking female voice singing accompanies an intense dream sequence in the movie that uh, Paul has about uh, his future and the future of of Arrakis, according to uh, the Nerdist, the track shares the layers and intensity of the scene and culminates in that beautiful roar from the singer. Who is the singer? I cannot believe I am being so obsessive about this because I mean, I I, I lead, I start this podcast making fun of it, but then you know, I, it just starts recycling in my mind. It's like you know what I mean. This person has a very growing career in Hollywood doing this kind of work in all kinds of films. Can you imagine how much she gets paid? Probably more than Beyonce, by the way. But no, I cannot find a name. If somebody out there listening to this can provide a name, I will give you a shout out on my next uh, podcast episode. Yeah, because no matter where I look, it just says Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer. Ugh. All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we were talking about Zendaya, Singer, all that. Okay. All right, let's just get into the review. Uh, right off the bat, uh, this film is definitely different than previous uh, versions. Uh, when a film does this, like uh, it, like when something happens before the onslaught of logos happens in a film nowadays, that tells me that it's trying to accomplish something. The cin uh, the cinematography work in this film uh, it works so well with the visual effects and Hans Zimmer's music. I mean each shot each scene i could like i could feel as though i am being read a story so established shots uh in this complex universe very well done characters are each given their own individual scenes so i mean it basically you know shows us what they are about and how we feel about them one standout performance i mean i got to give to jason momoa here i mean he is he's just jason momoa <laughs> In this film, he just shows up, yeah, my boy, hey, yeah, what's up, dude? <laughs> I mean, he, he's just like, uh, he's just like that friend of your, or, you know, that coworker you just enjoy looking forward to, you know, showing up on the same shift so you can goof around just a little bit before the boss starts yelling at you. Um, anyway, uh, so with uh, Villeneuve as the director here, it's like he's embracing his George Lucas, taking his time, but not worrying about, uh, you know, little things. Familiar dialogue is kept that will have uh, you, if you've seen uh, the first film, reflect back to, uh, well, I mean, 
I'm, I have not read the book, so I don't know if that dialogue is in the book or not. The Sandworms are definitely a lot better. And before I knew it, check it out. I was so enthralled with this film. The movie was over before I knew it. It's a long movie, by the way. I've read some uh, other criticisms after uh, seeing this film that uh, this is definitely an IMAX experience. They're not wrong about that. Go see this in IMAX. However, this kind of flew over my head. I guess I missed the uh, part where this is a two-parter. According to uh, Villeneuve, this film is just an appetizer. It's building its foundation before we get into the good stuff for uh, the next one that is uh, currently in pre-production, according to imdb.com. And hopefully... That will be out by next year or earlier because to end on just that note kind of felt wrong, like a TV movie. A lot of action goes down, but I mean, after this one action scene, the scenes after tend to drag and bring no fulfillment. And I hate to use this as an example. You know how people like to criticize Lord of the Rings Return of the King for its excessive runtime? Because, I mean, after Frodo drops the ring into Mount Doom, spoilers, but, I mean, the film's been out for like so long. I mean, my gosh, everybody and their grandma knows that. Uh, there's like 40 extra minutes here in uh, The Return of the King, and then the film ends. Here, we get more of that, and it's like a separate short movie with hardly anything going on. It was like, I think I waited about 40 minutes for another action scene to happen, but that wasn't as grand is what happened before. And then, uh, once again, we linger on to nothing happening for another half hour. And then we get another action scene that's kind of, like, nothing. And the very last scene, I mean, yeah, that looked cool, but you're going to end it right there. I mean, maybe this was the best option. I don't know. To just lead up to such an empty-to-be-continued ending... I don't know. You you introduce major characters with last minute uh, scenes and exposition of something that we expect to happen with like maybe another hour runtime. But nope, that is to be continued in uh, part two. And if you've seen the trailer and the TV ads, you know how it shows Zendaya? She's hardly in this movie. Uh, no, I'm not kidding. I can't help but say, are they banking on her fame to bring you in? I mean, don't get me wrong, she's a great actress, but here she's shown in, you know, very short, multiple vision scenes, a few lines of dialogue that won't mean anything yet, and, uh, I mean, she's just smiling at the camera most of the time. Speaking of uh, characters, other characters, aside from Jason Momoa, I mean, he is energetic. You are definitely going to love him. I also loved uh, Scar's... Uh, Man, see, look, there I go. I can't pronounce his name without thinking of uh, the other Skarsgård, Pennywise, it. No, uh, Stellan Skarsgård as uh, Baron Harkonnen. Uh, he does the Baron very well here. Uh, I actually wanted more. More of uh, the Baron. Because, I mean, if this is a part one, you might as well, like, you know, throw a lot of bad guy scenes in here. Oscar Isaac and uh, Rebecca Ferguson as, you know, they are man and wife uh, tradies. I didn't feel their relationship at all. It, it felt like a little bit empty. It's like the, the one scene that they only share together is what you heard in the trailer. It's like, do you give me your word you will protect Paul? I will protect Paul with my life. It's like, okay, that's nice. Now do something to make me believe that you are actually married. Nothing. 
but both of them do act as good parents to Paul. In fact, everybody's good when they interact with Paul. Except Paul. <laughs> and he, he's often too awkward and blank in a lot of scenes. And I'm not bashing uh, I'm not bashing Timothy here, all right? He's got potential because there are a few scenes where I definitely felt his impact to the character of Paul. Uh, this one line, I mean, he goes, how dare you tell my mom what to do in her own house? How, how dare you? I love that. I mean, I felt the delivery right there. Or, uh, you know, later when he's uh, distraught and blames uh, his mom for his birth, there's emotion, great delivery. But then we're hit with some scenes with them um, that kind of play back simultaneously together. Not a good mixture. Uh, it's like, look, I've had a bad day, okay? I'm not in the mood. I want you to take me to wherever it is that you're going. Even like a modest scene where um, he puts on uh, those... Uh, that desert suits and uh, the person who is a native of the desert goes, Oh, you seem to know how to put that on. And he goes, yeah, it just felt right. I mean, how about a bit more modesty or there? I was like, Oh, I, I, I guess I got lucky there. <laughs> Something like that. Cause I mean, he is just a kid. I mean, his character, Paul is supposed to be like, you know, on the verge of, you know, turning 18, I think. Uh, and I did not know that. I thought, Timothy was young, but I was very wrong. He is like 27 years old, or he's coming up to being 27. But he definitely looks like he's 16. But no, he's got some moments that definitely show off his ability. So my final verdict here for Dune 2021, I was still very enthralled by the film. The, this journey that it's taking you, teaching you about everything, and uh, showing you everybody in this universe. I was not bored at all. Except for the lingering scenes that happened after that one big battle. And that wasn't even the end of the movie. We still had like an hour and a half left um, where I just kind of wanted to fall asleep. Like, wake me up when something interesting happens. I mean, I get it. It's a wasteland world. But, I mean, throw some more danger in there. I still enjoyed it, despite all that. Can't wait for part two. So, I got to give this a premium price. That means if you miss the matinee, don't worry about it. This is well worth it that little extra moolah. That's going to do it for this podcast episode on Dune. Next one will be on uh, Marvel's uh, or MCU, The Eternals. That will be out uh, next Friday, so I will catch you then. If you want to be a part of the show, don't be a stranger now. You can contact me on my email at tyler.woods at 106khq.com. You got a movie you're excited about you want to talk with somebody, hey, I'm your guy. You can also find me on all my social media, Tyler Woods, KHQ, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Tyler Woods, 106 on TikTok, or find me at Twitter. Hit me a message at Woods Radio. Have a happy Halloween, and I will see you later. Sorry, I had to do that one more time. <laughs>